This morning, I'd like to simply answer the question of why we care so much. We're taking, if you've been attending church for the last several weeks, you've noticed we've been moving faithfully through First Peter, and now we're doing something entirely different. The reason for that is a young man who was once part of our church, who's been with his family in the country of Pakistan for many years, should be here this morning. You should be doing better than me this morning. Uh, but Randall and Rachel Fernandez and their children were delayed, had some COVID-related travel delays and simply could not be here on time. But since our uh, mind was already tuned to missions a little bit with Nathan and Christy Wilson's return from Rwanda last Sunday, I thought I'll just do a very basic explanation of why we care so much, why we keep inviting missionaries, why you see not just giving to the general fund that supports the work of this church, why this church gives hundreds of thousands of dollars away overseas every year. Why is it that we care? The answer was already read to you. You just couldn't understand it, or at least I couldn't. Open your Bibles with me in Romans chapter 10, verse 13. And if you have your bulletin, you can actually read the Bible with me this morning. Romans chapter 10, verse 13. If you have your bulletin, let's read the Word of God together. This is the letter that Paul wrote to churches in Rome, house churches in the capital city of Rome in the days of the Roman Empire. He explains something that would be vitally important to them that would help them understand why they themselves were no longer pagans and idol worshipers, why they were now Christians. Read with me, Romans 10, verse 13. The Bible says, For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then will they call on Him in whom they have not believed? How are they to believe in Him of whom they have never heard? How are they to hear without someone preaching? How are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. Three very simple thoughts. We care about global missions. We send families overseas from this church on a regular basis. We've sent the Wilsons. Drew Contreras, who was behind me and to my left during the worship service. He's a Filipino-American kid who grew up as a missionary's son in Spain whose parents are now in Israel. That's a strange itinerary. Why do people go, why did I grow up in Mexico? Why did my parents give up on ordinary American plans and take uh, their very young marriage, married two years, baby in tow, why did they go to northern Mexico? Because mission stands on a great promise. And the promise is this, anyone who calls on the name of Jesus will be saved. There is a promise that Paul is quoting here that runs actually all the way through the Bible. If you look back at the text, verse 13, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Now, my number one Bible reading tip around here is, slow down. What do you notice about verse 13? Quotation marks. Now, what does that indicate? If you have a Bible with references, it doesn't even have to be a study Bible. If you have a Bible with references on the margin or on the bottom, those quotation marks will be explained to you. 
That's an indication from the translator that when Paul wrote in his letter to the Romans, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved, that's not Paul's original thought. Paul's actually quoting the Old Testament. He's quoting specifically the book of Joel, written some 800 years before the time of Jesus. In other words, Paul, who was once an orthodox, ultra-orthodox Pharisee, who did not believe in Jesus himself, who actually persecuted people who did, has now integrated his scriptures. And he sees in them something that he had never seen before. His own bias, his own assumptions of what the Messiah had to be and who it possibly could be, and the unique blessing of Israel compared to every other nation on earth had blinded him to something that God had said from cover to cover all across his word. And the promise is this, Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. That's the promise that gives us confidence in giving money away and sending missionaries forward. Randall Fernandez, who God willing you'll meet or meet again in a few weeks because we canceled this appointment, we had no choice, but I told him, anytime you can come, you're always welcome here. You were part of us once, you still are. So hopefully before he returns to Pakistan in two or three months, he'll be able to be here with us. The reason he has gone into that dangerous place, the reason he and his wife have had their children there, the reason they walk routinely on a normal Sunday past heavy military protection that is there not to frighten them, but to protect them against the threat of terrorism. The reason they do all that is because of the promise that was made all the way through the Bible that if anyone calls on the name of Jesus, they will be saved. That's what gives a missionary confidence. But that's not all. There's a problem. Verse 14. How then will they call on Him in whom they have not believed? How are they to believe in Him of whom they have never heard? How are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? Now, we're going to slow down a little bit. Those are just questions. How many questions did Paul ask in that short passage I just read to you? Four. Much quicker in the second service than the first, I got to tell you. <laughs> Too early to do math uh, in the 9 a.m. service, apparently. Four questions. And for those of you who remember English or teach English, you remember that those are questions of a particular kind. Those are rhetorical questions. Rhetorical question is a question that is, whose answer is so obvious, it's not actually intended to be answered. The question makes the point itself. Parents use them all the time. They say to children, do you want a spanking? And no child in the history of children has ever said, please, I've been begging for it all morning. All of my conduct has been aimed to bring you to this point, to bring a little corporal discipline over here. Come on over and light me up, Dad. <laughs> no, a wise child hears the question and understands the point. The question is a warning. Now, I'm just joking, but Paul isn't. He says, here's the good news. Here's the promise. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. We told Indians in central Mexico, the Raramuri in northern Mexico where I grew up, Pakistan with all of its different ethnic groups and tribes and languages and religious beliefs all across China, all across Asia and Africa, 
ancestral groups who have hated each other and killed one another for centuries and millennia, islanders that nobody's ever heard of who don't even have God's Word on a, on a printed page, that need metaphors talking about being rescued from sea to understand salvation. Anyone who calls on the name of Jesus will be saved, but there's a problem. Missions not only stands, is fueled by a great promise, it confronts a tragic problem, which is simply this, take it to heart. It's biblical people who do not hear about Jesus cannot be saved. That's Paul's point in asking the questions. That is extremely narrow. That is as narrow as the person, death, and resurrection of Jesus himself. But the uniform witness of the New Testament is those who do not trust Jesus cannot be saved. That's why Paul's asking. Anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved, but how will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? How are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? That's the problem. And the answer comes actually in the last question. The beauty of the gospel message is that missions finally ask every one of us to be part of it. Every single person who has ever heard of Christ can be part of confronting this problem. The bridge between the promise and the problem are God's people. The problem is tragic and real and urgent. And these are not statistics. One of the dangerous things, and I realized this when I was a missionary myself and my wife and I were traveling around and doing what the nervouses just did and presenting our work, when I would speak about the population of Mexico, the number of indigenous languages spoken, the great number of people who might live in Mexico their entire lives thinking their whole life that they had to earn their salvation, whether it's through some local spiritistic belief or a very traditional understanding of Catholic doctrine that if you don't do things just right through the church, there's no way of knowing whether God can or will forgive you. Many funerals I attended with no hope because people were putting their loved one in the ground not knowing their spiritual condition. All of that is a tragic problem. People who do not hear about Jesus cannot be saved, and they're not statistics. That's what dawned on me. When we speak about numbers too big and lands too far away, for the, from the point of the view of the congregation, it can all become very statistical. Never forget this, what is happening in the other side of the world. When you hear about both Ukrainians and Russians dying in these last few days, those are souls. They're human beings made in the image of God, and the only way for any one of them to be saved is to trust Jesus. And missions confronts that problem by asking every one of us to be part of it. The bridge between the promise of missions and the problem of missions are God's people. Verse 15, how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. Every one of us has part of the solution in these few verses. You're either a sender or a goer. You're either a teller of those who are around you and or you are the, one of those who helps people go where you cannot. Those are the only two things that we can do with the gospel. 
We can share the gospel with those around us and be part of the solution. We can be the bridge between the promise and the problem. Or we can help send people to those who are not in the place where we are. So I just want to show you, you're the answer. We're the answer. Give yourselves a visual break. Stop looking at me for just a second. And just look around the church. Look around at the people you came to church with. Don't frown. It's rude. <laughs> this is it. This is God's plan. It's not plan A. It's the plan. He doesn't have another. He doesn't operate on contingencies. He asks every single person in this room to access this solution, to be part of getting the gospel out. And dear introverts, you're not excused. Because when you hear preaching, you're likely to imagine someone like me running off at the mouth under bright lights, holding a leather Bible. A preacher is just a proclaimer, a good news teller, someone who shares good news with other people. Introverts very often have a smaller circle of people, but their friendships are deeper. Those friendships more readily talk about the things that actually matter. What am I trying to tell you? Simply this. God's promise to save becomes a reality when God's people obey Him. The promise, the promise to save people becomes an actual practical reality. It moves off the pages of the Bible as the concept of something that God could do to something that God will do when God's people obey Him. So give careful, biblical, godly, humble thought to who you should be telling and how you should help with the sending. You have brave brothers and sisters all around the world in the great cities of the Middle East, in small villages scattered all across the world. Our missionaries often are village missionaries. They go to very small places, and you have some spectacular missionaries related to Pastor Rob in one of the greatest cities on earth and in human history, Metro Manila, Philippines. Everywhere the gospel is being preached, Jesus is being believed, and the nations are being gathered from the corners of the earth. Tribes and urbanites, suburbanites, illiterate people, and deeply educated people who lacked only the saving knowledge of Jesus. But what it comes down to is that God's promise to save only becomes a reality when we we ordinary people saved by the grace of Jesus have the courage and have the faith to obey Him. Let's pray together. Hey, could I just ask you, friend, if you know for sure that you're saved? I'm not asking if you go to church. I'm not asking if you're trying to live a good life. I'm asking you, are you certain when you die, your life will continue forever? Your sins are forgiven. You'll be blessed by God by meeting God. You're certain of that. You know it for sure. You'll bet your soul on it. If you don't know that, I'm inviting you to be saved this morning. The last few weeks in every service, at least one person, every Sunday rather, at least one person has put their faith in Jesus as Savior. Do you need to do that? If you do, just give up on yourself right now. Turn to Jesus. He's listening and ready to save. He's ready to rescue Tell him you're sorry for your sins. You're turning to him. Ask him to forgive you. 
Christian, if you already have this good news, are you spreading it? At least in your small circle, the people who know you, have you told them why you're kind? Have you told them why you're generous? Have you told them why you're peaceful in this troubled time we live in? Have you talked about Jesus? That's the good news. 